and welcome back to another episode of Miyazaki and Me. I'm Kyle. And I am Shane. Uh, so this episode we are going over uh, our second film uh, in in the series. Is We are still technically not at Studio Ghibli yet, but uh, we are definitely getting closer. And that is Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. We're sort of at Studio Ghibli with this one. Like most people consider this Ghibli uh, to the point where HBO Max, which only has the Studio Ghibli films, has this one. Yes, um, because it's 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 really the first real collaboration between all three of the Studio Ghibli founders. Um, yes. Because uh, as as the history of it goes. Uh, the uh, the castle of of Cagliostro, which was our last film, uh, very much impressed um, Suzuki, uh, who was one of the 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 three founders, and he started more regularly talking to Miyazaki, and convinced uh, Miyazaki to actually pitch an idea uh, to uh, Anamages. So Suzuki was working for Anamage at this point in time, and Anamage's publisher, or Tacoma uh, Shoten, uh, was looking to get into making films. Uh, because, you know, magazine publishing, especially in the 80s, was a big, big, you know, market share. And he had, you know, plenty, but he wanted to kind of diversify. So Suzuki pitched the idea of, like, Oh, let's let's you know start doing movies, and then had Miyazaki pitch an idea, and the original story they they basically said would not be commercially viable because it wasn't based off a manga or based off some other series. So Suzuki was one of the ones who decided, well, we own a magazine. Why don't we take this story and publish it in the Anamage magazine to help gain traction and hopefully eventually make the movie? And this was 1979. Um, so for four, four and a half, five years, uh, they published Nausicaa as a, as a manga series through the pages of Anamage. And through that, it became commercially viable. So then Shoten wanted to produce the movie and started moving forward with Miyazaki. Uh, they, they actually, it was more than just four or five, well, four or five years of, of uh, before they made the movie, maybe. But uh, the original run of the uh, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind manga actually went from February of 1982 to March of 1994. Uh, he wasn't anywhere near close finishing uh, the the manga when when the movie came out, uh, which caused for him to uh, maybe maybe go a little faster on this story than than uh, than he might have liked. But I mean, you would think that him being a writer of movies, he was okay with that. But it felt like he he uh, something that I'll mention later on. It did feel like he set up this giant epic with so many different pieces and parts and then kind of crammed them all together um, to form the, the two hour movie. Yep. Um, 
Not that the two-hour movie is bad by any means. I think Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is a very, very good movie. It just felt like there were so many different... Like, I'm going to read the manga now. Let's just yeah. say. Um, that that makes sense. There's just so many pieces to me that are missing in this story. It felt like they 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 jumped forward with relationships and with um, uh, story beats and, and a lot of different things without completely earning them because I think that there's going to be a lot more in the manga and how, how it gets built than there is in this movie. This, this should have been a series in my opinion. Yep. Uh, so, and then one of the other things, so Suzuki, he, even though he was one of the founders of, of studio Ghibli would not be on as a producer on this film. And so in his stead, in, you know, instead of Suzuki being the hands-on producer to kind of keep Miyazaki on schedule, uh, they decided to uh, reach out to one of Miyazaki's uh, former mentors and collaborators, and that was Iso Takahata. And he'd oversee the project, and he would actually be the one who brought in the the final piece and kind of the pivotal piece of Studio Ghibli in, in a lot of aspects. And he's the one who brought in composer uh, Joe Hizayasha, uh, who would then go on to work on every Miyazaki movie from then on out. And ironically, even though Takata was the one who brought Hizayashi in, uh, the two of them would never work together until Tak Takahata's last film. Oh, really? I did not know that. Uh, well, the nice thing that you know having uh, Iseo Takahata involved, um, the the. The coming together of all three of these, well, four now with the, uh, with the the music, yeah, uh, with with Joe uh, uh, Hisayashi, um, you just have s somebody that's in every aspect that's already kind of proven. Yes, um, you've got uh, Takahata as the director that's already done uh, a decent number of works at this point. I think there's there's four or five movies under his belt at this point, and. And uh, a few of them, uh, like Horace, being very well regarded. Um, Miyazaki, who was more of an up-and-comer, which is kind of weird to say about Miyazaki, you know, being in 2020. But at this time, he was an up-and-comer, you know, writer as well as as uh, director of a lot of shows. Um, and then, and then uh, you've got uh, Toshio Suzuki uh, as the producer, um, who obviously, you know brings in the money who, who gets things gets things moving as a producer um and so so it's just the the perfect mix and, and uh to create the studio and, and this is the movie that kind of that kind of brings it starts to bring it together yep um so so that's that's kind of your little background uh seek segment of of the the film itself uh so let's give some context to what else was going on around this time period? So Nausicaa was released in 1984. Uh, it had a budget of $1.7 million converted uh, from yen. And it ended up making $13 million in the, in the Japanese box office. 
and $1.7 million overseas. So they broke even just through the overseas box office, which is a really interesting thing when you think about that. And some overseas other is not where is overseas is not where a lot of animes make their money. Let's no, no, say. that's no, it's, it's very rare for for that situation. Yeah, to no, and th- and that's the, like I said, that's the weird thing of like just if you look, they broke even just with the overseas, and then made kind of the capital that would launch Studio Ghibli from the Japanese box office. Uh, but other films that were coming out around this time, this was a year in our in our Disney timeline. Uh, this was a year right before the Black Cauldron, and there weren't really as many interesting uh, films that came out. Uh, not as many that I knew about, and not as many that draw my, drew my attention. But there were a few TV series that were very interesting when you compare them. Um, to the time, um, and actually Miyazaki was at this same time uh, working on a working on being the director of a TV series called called Sherlock Hound, uh, which we talked about a little bit in the last episode. That uh, the producers of the Great Mouse Detective admitted uh, making a lovely homage to. Uh, castle of of cagliostro with the end of the great mouse detective and i'm sure they also took many elements uh lovingly of course from sherlock hound well that one ties in pretty directly <laughs> yes um it's like oh it's a it's it's a mouse instead of a a dog but you know pretty pretty close uh this was also the start of the muppet babies series was in 1984 Muppet Babies, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was uh, the season eight of the Super Friends was also this year. Uh, Scooby-Doo Mysteries uh, was another Scrappy-Doo season. Uh, but the the fun, the really fun ones is this was the start of uh, the Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends series, uh, which is oh, listed that. in the category. Yep. The, the the stop motion claymation yes. style yeah um this was also the start of the heathcliff series the not garfield orange cat yes not garfield but heathcliff yes uh this was also the start of lupin the third part three uh so the third series of lupin uh you know tv shows and then we also got our big metal robots in multiple forms uh, as 1984 was the start of not only Transformers, but also Voltron. Awesome. Two shows that I knew very well back when I was a kid. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, um, so yeah, that that's our animation timeline. I do for... think it's, it's worth mentioning that two years before this, a movie called The Last Unicorn uh, came out. And the reason why I think that's worth mentioning is that Topcraft, who actually animated this film, also animated uh, *A Last Unicorn*. So they are um, going to be known by people for for multiple things out, outside of this. Um, I mean, they were also involved in a lot of Lupin, uh, uh, Sherlock Hound, uh, as well. Um, but uh, the kind of odd thing, though, is that Topcraft, 
This is one of their last films. Oh, okay. Yeah, they they didn't uh they, their their last actual work is listed as nineteen eighty five. Um but yeah, this is this this uh Nausicaa is one of the final films that they did um as a full company because they ended up breaking up. Um, as okay, a company I, and, I and almost wonder whether... we'll we'll have to we'll have to look at some of those names from Topcraft as we move into Castle in the Sky and Beyond and see how many of those names end up going and moving to Studio Ghibli proper uh, as as we you know go forward. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was just about to say why they they went out. Uh, they they went bankrupt, uh, but they were purchased out by. Miyazaki, Suzuki, and Takahata. <laughs> there we go. Everything, <laughs> everything happens for a reason. There, uh, that's 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 cool. Like, like I'm glad at least the animators that were working for for Top Flight or Top Top yeah, Craft. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Uh, essentially, what happened is is that uh, they had to lay off uh, a lot of the animation staff when they purchased it. Um, a lot of that staff went to uh, Rankin and Bass to work on television shows uh, like Thundercats. Um, but eventually, uh, most of that staff was actually brought back once Walt Disney came into the fold for, uh, for Ghibli. Okay, that makes okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, so yeah, let's let's get into Nausicaa itself, and you can tell already from you know, everything that happens, uh, even from the opening scenes that, you know, the background animation is kind of crisper. The actual animation itself is crisper or the music obviously is a lot better or, or at least fits a lot better, um, right away. We're talking about uh, in comparison to Cagliostro. Yeah, in comparison to Cagliostro, yes. Very much so. I, I agree with that. Uh, this, and it, it's weird to say this, the the background, um, so so the, the background animation in Lupin was, it very much felt hand-drawn and, and, and all that. This also feels hand-drawn, but it, it feels more like a painting rather than a yeah. drawing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's more, it's more painterly. And like you get that, that's why the 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 separation happens um, more with the characters, and it kind of makes you know each of the characters strike out a little bit more in the fact that yeah you have you know so much separation because it's it's not a totally different style, but you can you can sense it a little bit more, um, and it, and it also works really well. Oh. Uh, you know, if you know photography stuff, you know, like I'm a photographer outside of all these podcasts and videos that I do. And, you know, you do get this kind of surrealistic effect when you have, you know, a, a, a like longer or a longer lens and it's like an 85 millimeter or more. And you get that super shallow depth of field and then your background and um looks kind of you know yeah very surreal and almost painted and that's kind of the same similar effect to what they're going with here so yeah especially at the beginning of the movie uh the 
the the kind of the painted on backgrounds as as we were discussing it are very very prominent early on and they they disappear a little bit throughout it's almost like they were maybe trying to save time or money at different times but there's a lot of a lot of desert landscapes and yeah and just cloud landscape uh cloud cloud backgrounds things like that happen later on but when they do put you in that that you know the forest or uh near a river or whenever they're they're in a spot that that is has nice scenery the scenery is beautiful like yeah. it's it's very well well set um but it's one of those things that i think it i think if it was a later on like an actual ghibli proper movie that we might have seen a little bit more of that background of that uh, of everything that you see uh in points of the movie throughout um rather than just a couple times yeah i i agree with that um but yeah the 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 foreground and background elements like definitely stand out oh and like yeah like you said you can already see a little bit of the difference that's making that that all of these guys having you know their style moving forward and yeah we're we are introduced at first to um to lord um lord yuma uh the sword master uh, even though we only get to see him really do anything with the sword in like one scene later on, um, he does a couple things that, to kind of hint that he has some sword sword prowess. But yeah, Lord Yupa doesn't really uh, do a do a whole lot with the sword. Um, but you get a really you get the one of the better lines of the movie once he starts doing something with swords. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like Lord Yupa is is you know exploring this desert landscape. We get the narration that it was a thousand years ago. Oh, um, the the what they they end up calling the seven days of fire. Um, these these monstrous creatures kind of destroyed all of the world, and this poisonous jungle has has happened ever since. Um, and then we get to finally meet our our lead character and we get to finally meet Nausicaa the titular Nausicaa floating through the air doing what she needs yep Flo yeah floating through the air on a glider that is so cool um the glider ends up kind of being a character in its into itself um and apparently it's a real thing now in some aspects like They've tried to make a real version of it in the in the real world. Uh, it's not as cool as this one, but um, so so what were what were your initial thoughts on on uh, Nausicaa as a character? She was uh, she feels like an early model to characters that Miyazaki uh, really delves into later on. Once again, just like when it comes to the background of of the uh, of this, and it, it she's. I'm not saying that uh, she's not one-dimensional. She for sure isn't one-dimensional, but but she just feels like she's the tip of the iceberg. And I honestly think that just has to do with the the formats. This is another time where I'm going to go out and say that I really just wanted this to be more. I wanted uh, there needed to be a, a background episode about the about you know her and her father, her and her and Lord Yupa. There there needed to be background episode of a little bit more with the uh, the Seven Days of Hell. Um, uh, there's they they set up everything is set up correctly to do what this movie needs to do 
I just think that this movie wasn't enough to tell this full story in yeah. the proper way. Yeah, I can I can see that. Um, I do like that. Like you get to to see her uh, personality right away, though. In you know her her going around and you see how inventive she is already um, in finding the ohm shell and then not being able to to break through it with like the cubic zirconium sword and then doing that trick with the gunpowder, uh, which was, which was so, so cool. And like, so interesting of like, Oh, I would have never thought of that. And it's like, okay, make a circle around the, the ohm eye with the gunpowder, you know, click the flint of the gun and then boom. Okay. Now I can chip away and get this shell uh, as I need it. So that was cool. Yeah, and it was a really cool uh, introduction series of scenes with her here where uh, she's walking through the forest and she's uh, uh, putting plants in, uh, little pieces of plants in vials and, and examining things. And she gets this. And right after she uh, uses the, the, the gunpowder to, to break the ohms, uh well, it's an eye socket out. Yeah. Um, she then lays, sees that that it's uh, the spores are coming, and so she lays down and puts the puts it over her head so she can see out of it, and like looks at all of it around and talks about how beautiful it is. And it is. It's a, it's a really it's a really nice beautiful scene. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like this nice snowfall effect um, that you don't get to see that often. So yeah, I I really liked that. And then um, as she's you know calmly. You know, going through and all this stuff, all the the spores are coming down. She hears a a faint like gunshot in the distance, or it's a gunshot or a roar or something. But something awakens her, and she goes to investigate and realizes that it's actually well, she doesn't know it's Lord Yupa yet, but it's Lord Yupa under attack from a gnome. Shoots the flare to direct. Uh, Lord Yuma, uh, you know, her direction as opposed to uh, back into the jungle and then rescues Lord Yuma. Yeah, she she drops some uh, flash flashbangs, which shock the creature, and then she's able to calm it and get it to go back. Uh, then then her she has a nice moment with Lord Yupa where where she uh, she lets him know that she's been doing something that everyone else doesn't know and she wants to show him later. Yeah. Uh, and she asks him to take the uh the piece of um sorry the piece of the ohm back because it's hard to fly with it and he puts it on his spare horse claw not chocobo it is a horse claw yes <laughs> um although they were the inspiration for chocobos the uh the creator of the final fantasy game did say that that he essentially stole the chocobo idea from seeing the creature in Nausicaa. So fun little fact there. Yeah, like I the first time I I saw this movie, I hadn't played any of the Final Fantasy games. Well, I still haven't, but I've I've seen you <laughs> play it enough. Uh, I played all of them. Yeah, you played Except all for 11 of them. And 14. Uh, I haven't played eleven or fourteen. Still, like so, so like I didn't know what a chocobo was, so I'm just like. 
thinking it's like oh this is a weird yeah like horse bird creature and then yeah as soon as i watched it recently i'm just like is that a chocobo what you know and then realizing the timeline of like okay that's not a chocobo but there's definitely some similarities here uh and yeah lord yuma uh and and even he he points out in his uh very you know gruff uh english ways uh because lord yuma is voiced by patrick stewart um of like oh she just turned that back with only a few flash grenades and an insect charm Yes, that was my attempt at a Patrick Stewart, and I apologize. It was beautiful. Brought tear to my eye. Uh, But yeah, like, the fact that, like, Nausicaa doesn't want to kill the Ohms. Like, she she wanted to just lure it away. Uh, And then we get that also, uh, Nausicaa going full uh, Disney princess. Just, you know, wild creatures just love her. Uh, and we get Kata, the little, uh, fox squirrel that definitely is not Jolteon. Uh, sorry, what did you call it? It's a, it's a, it's a fox squirrel. No, but isn't the name of it Teto? It's Teto. Okay. I thought it was Kato. I think it's Teto. That makes sense too. Um, but, uh, yeah, her little fox squirrel uh, that definitely isn't Jolteon from Pokemon, but I mean it's Jolteon from Pokemon. Uh, Another situation too, where where it's a very fast bond of she just lets lets uh, lets it bite her, and yeah. then doesn't doesn't get mad or anything, and then they instantly bond, and that's fine. There could have been more. Yes. Should have been more. Yeah. But it, they just don't have the time. But uh, uh, they, she uses this as well. With the, this conversation with Lord Yupa uh to discuss uh like she brings up her father and her father's sick well she brings up the fact that that the 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 valley is seems to be kind of immune from the from the spores yes um because of the fact that like you know the wind just blows through and like it's it's enough that you know we've got because it it's basically this blockade of trees and then that's enough to block the wind from entering the valley itself. Uh, so then we oh. get back to the valley and are introduced to her uh, father and Obaba, uh, the gruff, blind old old sage, who is a very fun character. Yeah, she's she's this. Uh trope that you get in a lot of uh, Miyazaki films so you'll get used to the Obaba character of the of the older woman sage that helps out but you know every now and then she seems kind of off and and not quite with it um if you want a uh, a nice uh kind of comparison uh think of the grandmother from Moana it's that style of character yes. and Miyazaki loves putting them in there and sometimes, and depending on it, uh, which film it is, uh, the character sways in alignment uh, when it comes to whether they're they're good or bad or or somewhere in the middle. Uh, there, but Miyazaki always has one in. 
Yeah, yeah, like it, it's similar to the, the older lady in Spirited Away and that style. Yep. yep. Uh, but Obaba uh, then brings up the... the uh, they, they have a... a what's that called um a tapestry a quilt yeah a tapestry yeah um uh that 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 speaks of uh a hero to come to save them wearing blue on a golden sea uh that will that will uh bring together the uh humanity and and the jungle and f- yeah it's 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 trust me it'll never come back up um, yeah it's definitely not like this entire time so far, Nausicaa has been wearing nothing but blue. Yeah. Until this scene, actually. This very yeah. scene is when she changes out of it while they're discussing it. Yeah, she changes out of it to her more casual thing. Uh, and then they go outside and there's a giant airship crashing. And this was one of the cool, like this was one of the first, like, even though we got all the glider scenes and stuff before this, uh, but this was, you know, get used to seeing Miyazaki air battles because um, you're going to see them <laughs> throughout this series. That's for sure. Uh, yep. And and you get some really cool visuals on this where Nausicaa jumps onto her glider and she's trying to help the, the airship and try to get it to get it to to glide down and land um unfortunately she's unsuccessful and it crashes and she uh meets with princess lestelle to hear lestelle's final breaths as everything is on fire where uh lestelle tells her uh to to destroy the cargo uh before she dies um she doesn't really mention what the cargo is she just says you know you have to destroy the cargo yeah and and lestelle's uh kind of the princess of uh pidget Pidget, um, and uh, yeah, and the uh, Tolmikians are the ones that are hit her that have her captured, and so they're they kind of become the antagonist, one of the antagonists for the rest of the films is these Tomikians, um, as we'll see. Um, but but after this one, um. Uh, an insect emerges uh, from the wreckage that, that that they had, and Nausicaa um, calms it down and guides it away from the from the village. Just kind of really showing off that that she is she is for peace with the insects that she doesn't want to want to cause any any trouble. Yeah, as there as there's you know guards from the valley that just want to shoot it, and then they're they're talking about oh you're never gonna pierce their or you know you're never going to pierce their armor with just one bullet that kind of stuff so yep. uh and then uh and and you then you, as they're like trying to save the the you know bury the the people that were on the on the ship and that died and and see what's in the cargo they they find the cargo um unburnt uh and it looks to me it kind of looked like a brain um yeah I read that it's an embryo. Is is that what they're kind of going for? Uh, okay, but, but yeah. It, so it's 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 a growing, yeah. It's growing into this creature. Exactly. And and the uh, as they find that, um, Tomokian uh, 
uh, Tomekian troops uh, led by their princess, uh, Kashana, uh, come into the valley. They they bring in their airships and they crash through a uh, a windmill on the way down. Like they they are uh, very much in war mode, and immediately uh, they go to the uh, the main housing structure where uh, Nausicaa's father is at, and they they kill him. Yeah, uh, they just him. yeah, they just straight up like walk in and just shoot him, uh, which is so weird because they you know everything else throughout the rest of the movie is you know a few little you know jabs and sword fights and stuff, and this one it's like yeah no we're just gonna go in and shoot him. It's like yep. wait, <laughs> hold it really. And Nausicaa gets there right after they shoot him, and and she goes nuts and starts to kill the the uh, the Tomekians. It's the only time that you see her like really break down and and do anything that's that's really actually violent. Um, and before she's able to go much further or get herself hurt, um, Lord Yupa comes in and he takes her sword to his arm and puts his knife to the neck of a of a swordsman of of a knight for the other other side uh, for the Tomekians and pretty much says like, Hey man, I'm going to kill you if you try to do anything. And the guy's like, okay, I won't. And the princess comes in and this is the part that kills me is that she just straight up says, Oh no, we're not here to hurt anybody. We're here to talk. And it was like, well, the first thing you did was kill the King. So uh, don't know how the far that's going to go here with the whole talking thing. Yeah, that yeah, the whole yeah, her coming in and just like, no, we came in and we're just gonna talk about a peaceful solution to this. And it's like you just killed their leader. Uh, and this is where you start to get a little bit more exposition. This is where you find out that that embryo uh, is actually going to grow into uh, one of the giant warriors, the uh, the 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 giant uh, bioweapon that caused the seven days of fire. Yep. Yeah, and we get a nice like animated kind of flashback uh, that we see in the in the opening credits. It's um, but then of of the the soldiers, the big you know, oh, uh, like god warriors stepping through and burning everything. But then we also see because uh, it's it's Yuma and Mito that are talking, um, and they're just talking about the the fact that most of those creatures kind of petrified and and you know their corpses were just laid about through the deserts uh but apparently there was one that went far underneath the earth and was still alive and this is the one that the tomekians had found so so this is when uh, uh kushana the princess uh, lets them know that their plan is to use this against the uh, uh, the uh, the the Pejites, uh to defeat them. That they are that they had to get to it before the Pejites get to it, and it, it's all about you know the war between these two nations and uh, how they hate each other. And so with this, Kashana says that you know that we can't move the the embryo, but we're going to take uh, some some hostages back and leave some people here to watch it uh, so that we know that it's safe. And uh, one of the hostages will be uh, Nausicaa. Yep. Yeah. One of the hostages was, was Nausicaa. And then uh, later on, like you find out that Mito also volunteered to be, 
a, a, a hostage so that he could go over and watch uh, Chinasaka. Yep, they they said who's a who wants to be a hostage, and he said so say we all, and uh, and then the other three people that are hostages are, are these three three old guys that are just kind of kind of comic relief uh, a bit. Yeah, they're they're like slight comic relief, uh, slight Shakespearean chorus at yeah. points, you know, and it, it's great. It's a good combo. Uh, I'm sure that's another trope that will definitely be seen. And character archetype that we will see a lot in Miyazaki films moving forward. And then uh, this is when they take off in the in the giant uh, airships that the Tomekians brought is when you find out that the Tomekians are terrible at making airships. They they basically made Ford Pintos um, as airships, um, as we discovered, because. They they get into an aerial battle, which the animation for the aerial battle is gorgeous. Like, it's so good. Um, and, you know, we, we get the aerial battle, and, yeah, it's like one or two shots, and these Tolmachian and, uh, you know, crafts just blow up. And and it ha- it's just this tiny fighter ship. Um uh, and the, the fighter ship comes up and it's like shy of surprise and and uh, takes them takes out all of the airships, all of the giant airships. No, they're not. They don't hold up any type of fight. Uh, and, and then they're the one tiny airship, which I assume was supposed to be the fighter protector of it, uh, does end up shooting down the tiny airship. But uh, only after he is distracted by the fact that when uh, Nausicaa gets up on the the roof of the airship. And she says, she tells him, yells him to stop. He has an image of uh, of the princess uh, Lestelle from earlier that uh, yelling the same thing. And he gets surprised and pulls up. And that's when he is shot down. Um, but yeah, there's just one tiny ship shot them all down. Uh, now, with this, they were dragging a cargo plane from from the, the Valley of the Wind. And that had the three old men that are the... the you know, the chorus type that we were talking about and uh, inside of, uh, and that got separated. So it was not actually shot down. And then as they were, as the ships were going down, they uh, Nausicaa, uh, Mido, and then uh, they also bring uh, Princess Kushana with them, uh, get into their own fighter ship, which why it wasn't being used to try to battle this other one, who knows, but they get into their own one to uh, to escape the the wreckage and to try to find the cargo ship to bring them back. So yeah, they they yeah they they go through the cargo ship. Uh, Nausicaa uh, ends up eventually finding, um, uh, and why we made the Shia surprise is this character is voiced by Shia LaBeouf, um, and you know. No one's trying to kill him at this point, so you know you have not killed Shia LaBeouf yet. No, um, if you have not listened to the Rob Cantor Shia, Shia LaBeouf song, then you should. You you really right. should. Um, and uh, uh, at this point, he was still famous. Uh, what's what's his character name again, Shane? Uh, Asbel. Yeah, Asbel. So yeah, Asbel, and yeah, like we said, he's. Uh, you know, sees the vision of his sister. Yeah, it's either his sister or like the the like. 
I I saw I saw it and interpreted it as the eventual like he almost got a premonition of the uh, the 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 uh, sure. blue prophecy you know version of Nausicaa uh, before anyone else did. You see, I think uh, so. So this is gonna it doesn't really spoil anything for later, but bring it up something that happens later. I think that it's his sister because it ties into the fact that later on another soldier from uh, Pajit was trying, going to shoot her. And then she was standing up doing the arms across as well. And he says, I can't that's princess Lestelle. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. I, I see where you're coming from there. All right. Um, but yeah, she, she eventually finds in him as he's like trying to like shoot through, shoot his way through the jungle. Um, which this is definitely one of the, the characterizations that definitely needed more time because he, you know, is full on going through and, you know, shooting his way through this jungle. Then he, through a few interactions with Nausicaa, is super peace loving, just like she is. Yeah, it's, it's very much, it also... I mean, I get that she doesn't want anyone to die, so she wants to help everyone, but she warms up to him very quickly when he literally just murdered four ships worth of people and also a bunch of the insects. And yeah, it's it's just something that, that needed some growth. Yeah, I think very, very much so. Uh, but uh, I realized the scene we skipped over uh, that kind of is important and we can talk about it when we talk about this next scene um, is Nausicaa, we see her collecting all of those spores earlier on in the movie. Uh, she's actually been planting the spores in this underground cavern uh, beneath the castle in the valley. And uh, Yupa, y- Yuma um, comes through and sees... Yupa. Yupa uh, comes through and sees uh, that she's doing that and is like, oh, all of these are all of these are lethal and these are all poisonous, but the air down here seems, you know, pure, you know, what's going on. And then she talked about the fact that this was all planted from, you know, the water got churned by the windmill mill and uh, so did the ground soil and that kind of purified it. And she was able to, you know, use that to plant and all of these all of these plants and and pot them um and keep them alive and it was and she was she was doing that to find a cure for her father's illness yeah too. yeah and she was doing that yeah for you know noble reasons of like oh yes we're going to uh, you know find this cure for her father so uh but the reason I bring that up at this point is her and uh Asbel uh, go through and kind of fall through quicksand and you're thinking, oh, great. This is halfway through the movie. Our main character just died. Uh, but nope, they fell through a, to kind of an underneath part of the jungle that was completely purified. And, you know, all the air and the plants were all purified because of like the petrified uh, trees um, that had all melt, it all melted and faded down 
on becoming this sand was actually enough to kind of purify the toxic jungle. Yeah, and so they, they learn this, and they they pick up on the hints pretty quick, once again. Better as a series. Uh, that, that That's what's going on. But they, they had lost their mass on the way down, so they were very shocked that they could breathe in. Yeah. So... So after this, they decide to uh, go back to Pejite. Um, and, and we should mention, uh, because this is one of the scenes I actually really liked, um, as you as they're falling, uh, Nausicaa has a flashback um, in a like, dream sequence of her actually protecting a baby Ohm. Oh, yes. Yep. And she's like, oh, you know, like, he, you know, as as all of the villagers from the valley are trying to get after this thing and she's the one protecting it. And it's in this beautiful, like, you know, kind of more watercolor and uh, pencil sketch style that I really liked. Yeah, they, they do a really good job of showing that this is either a flashback or a dream sequence or, or a mixture of the two. Um, just from the art style, just from the way that you can tell that this is part of her memory. Uh, and I think that's really, really well done. And, and it, it also kind of puts in the, the inherent hate of these, of these insect creatures while, you know, it's showing a kid that has befriended one. So it shows that they, you know, they don't necessarily have to be evil, even though everyone sees them as that. Yep. So it's a, it's, it is a very important scene in the, in the, in the movie. Yeah. Yep. It would be it would be a shame if someone just cut that out for some reason. No, I guess I guess that makes well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk um, about that. <laughs> so so they go to pack to Pejite. Um, he she brings uh, Asbel back to Pejite and they find it uh, completely destroyed by insects. And this is this is Asbel's uh, town. And he makes a comment while they're in there looking at this destruction and he says, we've gone too far. Um, this isn't, uh, this wasn't worth killing Telmechians. And she's confused by that because this was his town and he's blaming themselves. Uh, at which point uh, you then quickly meet, uh, they see an airship and, and you meet up with, uh, I believe it's the mayor of Pejite. And, you know, he's excited. He's happy about what, about what happened here. Uh, and this is where you find out that it's actually the Pejite. So, they were fighting uh, with the Tomekians, and as a offensive measure, the Pejites uh, lured uh, some of the uh, Ohms to the city to attack uh, the Tomekians and the city itself. And so they were using the Ohms as as a weapon. Yeah, and we and we don't know how they're using it yet, but you can already tell that this isn't a cool idea like this is bad like whatever they did has to be really dastardly um and it is <laughs> you know it's really messed up what they how how they use these ohms yeah they 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 mention that uh they know that that uh Tomekians are in the valley of the wind right now and they know that's where the uh, the embryo is as well, and so they're going to do the same thing to the Valley of the Wind, which obviously Nausicaa does not like. Yeah, uh, Nausicaa is you know, like anyone... definitely not cool with that. Yeah, uh, and she is then uh, taken prisoner by them. 
so she's taken prisoner up in the airship. Uh, all while this is happening, we then move over back over to uh, the uh, back over to Mito, uh, Princess Kushuno, and then that that Greek chorus of old men. Um, I yep. like calling them the Greek chorus of old men. Yeah, old men. So I'm going to continue that. Uh, so what they had actually split from from Nausicaa to go back to uh, the Valley of the Wind. Uh, back when yeah, she yeah, was searching yeah, for Asbel. Yeah, as as she was searching for Asbel, she's like, if I'm not back in an hour, leave. And they're like, okay, we're definitely... And the, like you keep every single time and you cut to them later. It's like, well, it's been a couple hours. I guess we better actually leave now. Um, and it's, And like, they're still kind of searching for her. Like even though they're we're told to go straight back yeah and once and once they get back that they're you they mention that they are mad that they didn't wait yeah. they, they're upset with themselves for leaving but they have a uh, princess kashuno uh kashuna uh prisoner uh you find out now that the city had found a spore that that grew and infected a tree in the forest so the villagers who were all their guns were taken away by by uh, by um, the Tomekians, yeah. By the Tomekians, they they are now rallying to try to essentially burn down the force that's been keeping them safe because because this the spores had actually what they do is that they grow and they expand and so all these trees are being hit by these spores and and they now have to burn them all down because they don't they don't know that. You know, once once the spores petrify, that that it could purify. Uh, so they are working on this, and I don't I don't remember how Kashana gets away from them. Do you? Uh, she just kind of gets away from them. Like there's yeah, there's really do not anything. Yeah, there's not really. A, I think it's the fact that Mito takes off, and the Greek chorus just kind of ignore her and then she just goes back to prince humperdink yeah i was about to say the next thing i know she's talking to prince humperdink who who literally makes a a deadpan to the camera well that dream didn't last long when he sees her alive um yeah. and we're calling him prince humperdink because it is prince humperdink uh voiced by uh chris Ser- uh sarandon from, from uh princess bride yeah uh so uh this and so they decide that they are going to take control back from the from the valley of the wind so they they are the valley of the wind after they they were setting fire to the to the forest uh they then started fighting back against the tomekians uh including they they took one of their tanks um and so now now there's fighting amongst each other and essentially the tomekians drive them back into this uh they call it ancient uh vehicle where they said that even even could have gone to the moon um alluding that there was a lot of technology in the past uh, so they're they're driven back into that. Um, at at this point, they decide that they have to wait for Nausicaa. And now we kind of jump back over to Nausicaa and the airship. Yeah, Nausicaa um, is is a a uh, you know prisoner on this airship until until Asbel's mother comes to visit her with you know I thought it was her his like maybe a younger sister. Because the other is his twin, but like it's just a girl. Yeah, it's just, it's just another girl, and they switch places. 
of course, Teto comes with Nausicaa. Um, and, you know, they escape. Uh, they've got to go through uh, and, and find her glider as kind of everything is starting to kind of wreak havoc. Um, this other airship from Tomekia uh, uh, comes over and, like, they start fighting in the air. So it's another awesome air battle. Uh, you find out that Yupa is on the other ship, and that leads to probably my favorite line, and I really hope that this line was actually, you know, a direct adapt, uh, direct uh, translation, uh, because Yupa storms through the top of this this uh, this plane or this aircraft as all these is uh pedjite hey you know soldiers are are fighting and then they look and it's like that's lord yupa kill him and you'll be famous yep and and yupa just pretty much mows them all down he murders everyone so, so Lord Lu Yupa wasn't just on the ship. What had happened was that when we had mentioned that Mido had gone away, Mido flew Yupa there to help uh, uh, Nausicaa escape and drops him onto the ship. Yes. Uh, Nausicaa is now escaping on her glider, uh, but the ship, for some reason, it drops some of the people onto the Pedite ship uh, because the uh, uh, the Pejites make much sturdier ships than, than yes. uh, the Tomekians do. They, they can take some bullets on those ones. Um, they drop some people onto the, the uh, Pejite ship and pursue Nausicaa, and that's when Yupa gets, gets dropped off on, on there to start attacking them uh, to try to kind of to help uh, Nausicaa get away. Yeah. Uh, and this is when Nausicaa uh, is now uh, leaving with Mido to search for uh, the Pejites who are leading the insects to the valley of the wind yeah uh, and, and then yeah mito the... mito has to go back and join the fight um leaving nausicaa to find the the like it was almost a reverse like hot air balloon kind of thing that that was leading these insects it's kind of like if you ever played Super Mario Brothers, it's the clown thing that Bowser rides in. Yeah, is, like is that's, what they're writing it. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is, and the gross thing that, that happens is uh, what is below this uh, Pegite airship is a baby ohm that they're using as the bait to lure all of these ohms towards the valley, which is yeah, just it, a disgusting move. Yep, it, it's been stabbed in multiple places, and, and to carry it, they had literally just stabbed uh, uh, into the its side, where and then it was linked up to the to the ship, and they were and they were bringing it, which was causing a stampede, like a huge stampede of of uh, murderous ohms, because uh, you can tell when they become murderous because their eyes get red. Yeah, their eyes get red with rage. So yeah, we see just a red field at first, almost, of because Nausicaa just sees the red eyes and goes towards it, and then she she eventually crashes the uh, the Bowser mobile, um, and the 
the ohm, the baby ohm, is actually trying to get to the rest of its, you know, all the rest of its ohm kind, and but they're crashed on an island, so they're surrounded by by the acid water. Yeah, and uh, Nausicaa gets shot twice by the by the Pegite uh, guards um, before they crash. Uh, so she's bleeding out, but she's still trying to save this ohm. And then the ohm actually drives her into the acid. And it's her scream and seeing that she's in such pain from trying to protect this ohm that makes the ohm stop. The baby ohm stop, at least. Yeah. Uh, at which point uh, she says we have to get, get over to them. And she she makes them fly her over. But uh, while she's flying over there, we, we jump back over to uh, the battle that, that was happening before. Uh, at this point, Mito has, has landed with, with Lord Yupa. They inform the sides that there's no time to be fighting each other because of these insects coming coming along. Um, they're trying to, to fight the insect or to fire at the insects, but obviously bullets don't do anything. And this is when uh, Princess Kashuna uh, raises the uh, um, the the giant uh, uh, creature, the giant warrior. Yeah, to... it's, it's yeah, it's, it's it's end up in the translation. It's end up called like the God Warrior, um, like yeah. in, the, in the Wikipedia article and and stuff. And uh, this is one of those fun uh, animation tales. Uh, that happened throughout this because they uh, they were very much running out of a but they were running on a pretty shoestring budget. You know, I know you know 1.7 million dollars sounds like a lot, uh, but in the film world, it's not. <laughs> um, no. So they were running on a pretty shoestring budget for this, and they were you know running behind schedule, and they needed another animator to do this sequence and this guy walks in hands and uh miyazaki and and takata his portfolio and some storyboards and they're like yeah you've got you've got the job uh what's your name and shane tell him who it was uh it was hideaki ano uh who people might know as the uh creator of neon genesis uh evangelion a pretty uh famous uh piece of anime there uh just recently re-released on netflix and redubbed and uh um remastered on onto netflix so pretty if you watch that scene the god warrior scene in nausicaa and then watch uh some scenes of the of the giant fights in uh, uh evangelion there's a lot of you can tell it's 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 the same person yeah um and he'd be like he's a weird like recurring like he's he never really leaves the studio ghibli family even though he starts his own studio like whenever they need him he'll come back it's just they don't need him that often so uh because he comes back for grave of the fireflies um as an animator and then he actually comes back uh much later on um as uh the voice of of Jiro in the wind rises and there's there's a really interesting documentary 
Um, it's called uh, The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness uh, that I just recently watched. And it's all about the making of The Wind Rises. And they, they were talking. It's like, oh, you know, all of these actors are like emoting too much for this character. Like we need kind of an enigmatic voice that, you know, maybe used to be an actor, but isn't really. But, you know, the the thing that they keep coming back to is he's he's enigmatic. Like and they're like, oh, what about Ano? And it's it's Suzuki and, and Miyazaki like talking back and forth. And you just see this realization come over Miyazaki of like that's a really good suggestion. He's really weird. Um, <laughs> he would be really good for this, like how I'm writing this character. Um, and he's like, yeah, he's explaining it. It's like, oh no, I thought you'd be perfect because you're this, this, and this. And even Anno's just like, I guess I'll take that as a compliment. Like, I'm glad. Like, and you can tell there's definitely a a deep friendship and like a deep respect between these two. Um, and I think it all stems from, uh, from this collaboration. So, uh, but yeah, it's such a cool scene. Like Anno, like, you know, I, I, I want to see some more neon Genesis for sure. Um, looking after this. So it's very much worth watching. Uh, the story it's, it gets a little dark, um, actually, Ando talks about uh, it, it gets dark because of uh, he has a history of clinical depression. Uh, yes. He uses that uh, towards towards his writing in that. Um, but to to finish off, so so the the uh, the God Warrior uh, pops up and uh, she she commands it to attack the insects, which it does. It, it fires a shot. Um, but the people around notice that it's falling apart, that it's it's not it's sort of like disintegrating uh, as it as it's moving. And they were and uh, and I think it's Prince Humperdinck that says we we hatched it prematurely. Um, so after the second shot, which is fired, uh, it completely uh, disintegrates and, and uh, you know, skull drops um, as as uh, uh, Princess Kashana is is fleeing. Yeah, the, um, so, yeah, it's yeah, it's this cool like body horror kind of shot of like its face melting away and you see the skull underneath it and yeah. So yeah, if that if that's more of Anno's art style, like I'm going to be all for it. <laughs> and uh so at this point this is when uh Nausicaa gets dropped off uh in front of the stampede uh, with the uh, with the baby Ohm, and they just run her over. Yeah, they just run her over, and I'm just like, again, kind of the you know the first time I watched this, I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> like you just figure it's like, oh, this is just gonna be the, you know, she's gonna stop them in their tracks, and it'll all be okay. And it's like, no, that's not how it works in these movies. Yeah, so they they run her over. They start attacking everything around. Uh, but before they actually uh, kill really anyone, uh, honestly, they they their eyes start to turn blue, and like everyone looks, and they're all facing towards the middle, 
and they're facing towards uh, Nausicaa lying still, um, bloodied and, and beaten, uh, while the baby Ohm that she had saved comes up to it, uh, comes up to her. Uh, and as the, the baby Ohm comes up to her, the, all the rest of the Ohms start their tentacles, which are golden tentacles, start spouting out and they're, they're resusc- uh, resuscitating her and raising her up. Um, and her dress, which was pink earlier, has now is now blue. Um, there, you, you don't really see a reason for it in in the actual uh, anime itself, but uh, they you see uh, if you look up anything online, they say that it's it's because the own blood is blue, and so that's what what caused it to be blue. Uh, but but she gets raised up and resuscitated by these uh, um, by the golden tentacles. At which point she stands up and starts thanking them and starts walking forward with her blue dress and then with her with Teto on her shoulder uh, and is just the image from that tapestry of the savior. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the savior in blue and just on on the golden field and even Obaba is like, oh, I can see it almost like she basically almost. Said, you know. <laughs> like well she just said she could feel it um yeah i just like the idea i can see it almost i mean i'm still blind but i sort of there i really (laughs) thought they were going to do that and just make it a little too far of like oh and i can see (laughs) it's like you've been blind this whole movie why would you you know magically be able to see this but I mean, she sees it in her mind's eye, though, because she's the one who sees the tapestry, and then we cut back to to Nausicaa. But yep. Uh, but this is this is the end of the movie. Um, they uh, the, the the actual summing everything up kind of happens in the credits in the background. Yeah, which is uh, interesting. Yeah, you can see the Pejites that were that were on that ship that no longer have a land kind of stay in the Valley of the Wind and help them rebuild. Uh, you can see that the, uh, that Princess uh, Kashana and the uh, Tomekians leave um, uh, and seem to leave the village alone. They start, uh, they seem to be having a little bit more of a respect for the insects, um, which you see when uh, Lord Yupa and uh, uh, Asbel uh, kind of go off on a on a what looks like a expedition, and they're just kind of they're going moving past insects without any kind of interaction between them. They're just they're doing their thing. The insects are doing their own thing. Um, and that they kind of just and they and the final image is down in that pit where they had fallen earlier, where they had lost their mask. Um, you see Nausicaa's mask laying in in the sand in the in the soil. And a tree is growing from where where it was. Yeah, um, a, a sprout of a tree is is starting to grow up. So that's the final, the very final image that you get. Yeah, and that's Nausicaa. And yeah, so so we we go over the history of this, and before the the interesting thing about this is like it made a lot of money in in Japan, like. Mm-hmm the the next one castle in the sky will barely make nine million this made 17 so it ended up you know drawing a lot of attention and unfortunately that meant that it also drew some international attention and 
there was a, a production company called uh, Mason International um, Incorporated produced a 95-minute version of English language dub of of Nausicaa that was retitled Warriors of the Wind. Um, and they changed a lot of things. One, it's a PG movie, um, but... They cut 22 minutes out of of the film for for the for the uh, th- for the release, and they actually uh, luckily on the on the Wikipedia article they actually have which scenes got deleted, and I told Shane to ignore this section uh, because I wanted his genuine surprise at each of these scenes. Um, and I'm excited for this. So the first scene that they deleted uh, was, uh, and just says here, Nausicaa enters the toxic jungle. Once there, she discovers a shell belonging to a dead ohm. No, they cut the the opening scene, like the yes, one of the most important scenes in the movie to me. Uh huh. Okay. Um, and and well well looking at the ohm's eyelid. Uh, she is surrounded by spores. They cut that scene. You know, that's odd. That's very, very odd. odd. Um, that one annoyed me a lot. Um, there's a few other uh, ones that are almost as bad, if not worse. Um, so the next scene they deleted uh, after returning to the valley from the val- to the valley of the wind. Uh, Yupa is asked to be the grandfather, uh, the godfather. Of a newborn girl. Okay, that's fine. That's fine, but like it, it's a, it's one of those little character moments that I liked. I mean, it showed that that he is respected and uh, and by the people that, that are around there, it gives them a connection to to the city that he just came back to. Yep. Um. So the next one, because uh, this is post the 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 fight. Eight. Um, when a villager finds a poisonous spore in the valley, another villager destroys it. Um, that's when the little kid finds the one underneath. That's that's kind of important to what they're to a big scene later of the spores hitting the forest, though. Exactly. Hmm. Um, but also, they would technically delete that scene. Um, so the one later where there's the yep. spores in the forest. All right, whatever. That's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, next scene, uh, Yupa... I already uh, felt like this movie was too short, and they're cutting all these scenes that, that are necessary. Yep. Uh, Yupa discusses with Mito, uh, preventing the, the, um, revival of the giant warrior. And they also deleted him walking down and discovering Nausicaa's secret garden. So, th- they have no explanation for her knowing any... Okay, that's... Yep. Uh, they also cut while sleeping Nausicaa remembers an episode from her childhood in which she attempts to protect a baby Ohm from the village leaders yeah you had mentioned that earlier that still shocks me that they cut that but yeah I uh, get I sort of get that one but it just does it, it's character growth yep uh, they, they also cut uh, as there's thunder in the background now um even Mother Nature is ticked about all of these changes that are made, apparently. 
uh, Nausicaa um, and Asbel uh, visiting this this one um, is just cut partially um, but they cut down the portions of the them visiting the non-lethal part of the jungle underground okay so they they just they just shorten that scene yes uh they also cut nausicaa arguing with the mayor of pegite um about the plan of for the giant warrior what 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 excuse do they have for being locked up on the plane then i don't know um and then there's a couple more scenes but the the reason that this is so uh kind of an amazing story is studio ghibli would have a very you know strict when they do the english releases nothing is altered policy moving forward because of this experience but the best one, so it was pre-Disney getting a hold of um, the uh, of all the Studio Ghibli movies. Because at least it seemed like Disney they could trust. Uh, the first people who, who helped uh, distribute stuff for them um, in, in the United States was actually uh, Miramax. Uh, so, you know, Harvey Weinstein, who is notorious for buying up movies and then cutting them, got the rights to Princess Mononoke. Uh, oh, don't worry. This is the best, like, most badass uh, Studio Ghibli story I've ever heard. Uh, Toshio Suzuki sent Harvey Weinstein a katana. And had a note written on it and with it that just simply said, no cuts. <laughs> That's great. That's and it's great. like, I love that <laughs> Studio Ghibli, of all people, are the people that are bullying Harvey Weinstein into like, yeah, no, you're not messing with our movie at all. And just that sign of sending him a katana and... <laughs> You know, just saying no cuts whatsoever. It's so good. I'm glad that they cared that much about the English, about the the different language releases. Yeah, and and you can see that like it seems like they they always hire um, people who are pretty stringent on the translation. Like they'll they'll keep as faithful as they possibly can. You know, it, it'll be a little different here and there or different turns of phrases, that kind of stuff of uh, just to make it flow and fit with the animation better. But it definitely, especially with the Miyazaki films, because of the dialogue is so limited, um, it, it makes more sense that, you know, they, they don't change as much. So, yeah. And then, uh, I mean, the reception of this movie, uh, in Japan in particular, uh, this movie is, is considered one of the best, uh, animated films of all time in Japan. Yep. Um, and now, you know, might not be as, as high on the list for Americans. Um, but, uh, as recently as, uh, 2006, 
um, they uh, at a Japanese at, at the Japan Media Arts Festival where there was eighty thousand people in attendance. This was this was the highest ranked uh, ranked film uh, for greatest oh, animation. Cool. Um, so th- there's this is a very much loved movie, uh, and it's very obviously influential by the fact that it, you know, arguably is the career starter of Ghibli. So, yep, yeah, it's a it's a career start start you know start of of Ghibli. It's you know the first like mainstream exposure of of uh, Hideki Anno. You know, you know that's kind of where he finds his voice um, because because this story like I think they they tell about that story in on homage later on of because the ad you know got put in on homage that they were seeking in um, art artists and you know I think they end up making an article later on about Hideki Anno. Um, so that's kind of his rise to prominence of like, Hey, there's this really talented animator um, that came in to help us. You know, you should, you know, check him out. And then of course you get Takahata uh, as the producer. And, you know, this is another Miyazaki just masterpiece, you know, that people saw. So they were very excited for, what they would do moving forward. Uh, yeah. And then moving forward. They... Plus, plus, plus we actually, plus we actually get a real life glider, uh, out of like, based off this m- movie that technically studio Ghibli wanted to endorse apparently, but the makers of the glider told them, no, you can't reendorse it, endorse it because if something goes wrong, we don't want you to get blamed for a crash. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so this is this is the the catapult of Ghibli. Final thoughts on uh, Nausicaa? I I really liked it, especially you know, like I said, I I watched it the first time probably five six years ago. Um, and, and I, I liked it then and it kind of sparked my interest in, in watching more Ghibli and revisiting it now. Um, I, I, I still like it. I still think, you know, it's probably in, in a little bit of a lesser tier than, you know, some of the ones that will go oh, through forward, uh, you know, just cause of. Like I know you're probably gonna comment on it, but just how how rushed it felt, like story wise, like animation wise, it's beautiful. Like it's it's so good. Like the visuals are fantastic, but like you said, the story beats are kind of a little too quick at some points. Uh, yeah, no, you, you kind of touched on on what I was gonna get at there, and. It's. I think this is a great movie. I think that this is. Uh, I mean, for being made in 1984 and looking the way it does and telling a story the way it does, it's it's fantastic. I just. Uh, I've touched on this multiple times throughout the show. It's just this should have been a series. This should have been uh, episodic and allowed for more growth. Um, it just. It felt like these characters were are just harder co- to contain in a. Uh, in one film uh and most of miyazaki's uh films they they do a really good job of containing the characters in one film and 
and giving you that growth that you feel that you need um, uh, all in that two-hour period that they, that you get them. Uh, this is not one of those. Uh, this is one that I, I'm going to go and read the mangas now. I'm going to, I, I want to see what kind of growth that yeah. these characters had uh, in the, you know, 12 years that, and, and seven volumes that, that the manga is uh, and kind of find out what kind of difference that, that you can do in that regard. But um, with that said, I think it's, I, I think that this is a beautiful movie. I think that it is a jumping off point. And I'm really excited uh, where things are going to go from here. Still, yeah, I yeah, I'm excited. And um, uh, we uh, as as we wrap up, um, one of the things uh, we we talked about, um, and maybe by the time this is released, we won't even need to worry about. Uh, but uh, you know, thank you all so much uh, for the support you've shown so far like we're we're recording this right after we released the pilot episode and you know i i love all all the the nice things that people have said and like how excited it seems like everyone is for the series um and uh and i we said it before but uh as soon as we get to like 100 subscribers on on the youtube channel we're actually going to do a bonus episode of a non a non Miyazaki non Studio Ghibli film, and that's going to be Akira. Um, so even if you're listening through iTunes and stuff, you know, go over to the to the YouTube channel and you know subscribe on there, um, so that we can get to you know a hundred, so that we can do Akira, and then later on we've got another another goal down the road uh, where Shane's actually going to pick a movie for me to watch. You know? Yeah. Cause I've watched a lot of anime. Um, so, uh, and then we, we also asked, uh, and yes, I, I, uh, mirror those thoughts. Thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm really happy about the, the response, uh, that we've seen from this podcast so far. Um, but we, we garnered a few responses and we, I reached out to some people about what they thought of Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. I, uh, we're, we're kind of given a viewer feedback kind of session as well. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I know that uh, I've had a few people tell me that this is actually one of their favorites. Uh, and then uh, 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 Davi, uh, an old coworker of mine, uh, uh, mentioned on my Facebook that uh, Nausicaa doesn't get enough love, uh, which I would uh, very much agree with, uh, being as, you know, it's kind of the forgotten uh, uh, Ghibli, being as it's it's not necessarily Ghibli. Yeah, I, yeah, I think, like I said, I think it, it's... Like I said, it's it's a lower tier, but that that's by no means, you know, dashing its quality by any means because uh, a lower tier Studio Ghibli movie is still a lot better than most other studio movies. Yes. So, um, oh, I I I completely agree with that. You know, just because it's not in the you know of the twenty five. You know, if it would be ranked, you know, when we do our final rankings, you know, if if say it's twelve or fifteen, that's not an indictment of this movie. That just shows you how good the movies ahead of it are. Uh, yeah, and then I think that's that's it for me. So next up, uh, we are going to be hitting, you know, the first actual uh, uh Ghibli movie, uh, and that would be uh Castle in the Sky.
Yeah, 1986's Castle in the Sky. I I have not seen it. I think I've seen it. I've wa- I I watched Castle in the Sky and Tales from Earthsea like back to back at one point and I honestly think I remember Tales from Earthsea more, but I'll, I'll be interested to see how I react when I when I watch it to see if maybe I've I've mixed a lot of the things from these two together. Um but I, I kept I, I kept thinking I was like I swear that I'd seen this movie and I think I think I might might have. So I'll be interested to watch it again. Or for the first time. I'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh Shane, uh plug your other stuff. Uh yeah, so um you can uh listen to some episodes of uh character work. They're out and about. Uh and also uh um Fantasy Hangover. Um, both of those are on SoundCloud and Stitcher, uh, and also uh, the Knocked Out Entertainment website. No, no, they're not. I lied. They're just on. They're they're just on. Uh, uh... Pre, uh, pre the the stuff before you started the SoundCloud is still for character work. Is still up. Okay, there's still some early stuff of character work on the Knocked Out website. Yeah, I I I think I took down the the Fantasy Hangover ones because they're so uh, time sensitive. Yeah. Uh, whereas, uh, you know, you made, uh, you made character work be evergreen. So, you know, that's, that's still up there. So, uh, but yeah, so, um, check those out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then follow me kind of on everything at knocked out films. Um, and that'll have links to the YouTube and the, the Instagram, the Twitter, that whole thing. Um, so, you know, make sure to like and subscribe on on iTunes. We got a big bump on the on the iTunes one and um, on the YouTube channel if that's where you prefer to watch and listen. So, thanks. Be good to each other. <laughs>